It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H-E-A-R in the city.org. Good afternoon, KPFK listeners, and to those of you listening to our show on the web. Today is Tuesday, July 26, 2011. I'm Sarah Harris. Today on Here in the City, we visit police headquarters and try to get answers to what the city council's new bicycle ordinance really means for cyclists and drivers in Los Angeles. Quite frankly, a motorist still has the right to pull up beside a cyclist, yell obscenities at them, say, get off the road, all that. They still have a right to do that. That's not covered by this ordinance. That's not harassment within the context of this ordinance. This ordinance basically just says that you cannot behave in such a way that is likely to cause uh, injury to the cyclist or can be construed as an implied threat against the cyclist. And we'll preview the handmade animation films of Jody Mack, who offers, as she puts it, a light critique of capitalism. Hard work is hard work is hard work. Hard work is hard work is hard work. Hard work is hard work. You are listening to Here in the City. I'm Sarah Harris. We'll be right back with a trip to LAPD headquarters in downtown Los Angeles for the latest installment in our series, Two Wheels and a Mic. This past Friday, I jumped on my outdated bicycle, pulled on my red helmet, rolled up my right pants leg, and made my way down to First in Maine to meet with the Los Angeles police officer in charge of community relations for the over 100,000 estimated bicyclists in the city. On the way, I got stuck behind a bus and wondered if it was actually legal to pass on the left lane. So I did, but I got clipped by a BMW who did not appreciate sharing, something I definitely think of asking about when I get to the recently built $500 million structure at 100 West 1st Street, where I am met by Sergeant David Krumer, who is the bike cop on the beat and who kindly allows me to park my two-wheeler in the marble entryway just beside the elevators. And over here, what we have is the evaluation and administration section. And what they do is they basically uh, craft policy and do research on the different procedures that uh, we implement in the department. Uh, also down here is the field deployment unit, which does workload studies and deployment recommendations so that we know how many officers does a particular division need at a given day, at a given time, um, how many detectives are appropriate for a certain area, how many gang officers do you need to handle your 
uh, workload for gang crimes. So that's all done down here. And this is here in the city. And uh, here we are on the third floor of the Los Angeles Police Department headquarters. And uh, we're with Sergeant David Krumer, whose mm -hmm. job would be described as? Uh, well, my actual assignment is the field deployment unit. Um, but my ancillary duty is assisting Commander Viegas with uh, liaisoning with the cycling community. Okay, so my I guess the first thing I would ask you is tell me a little bit about what your job is. Um, my job is basically to be the uh, senior lead officer for cyclists. Um, every area uh, within the city of Los Angeles, whether you're in Devonshire Division or Rampart Division, um, they've got senior lead officers that liaison with community members to kind of personally uh, address the concerns that these constituents have. Um, so what I am is I'm a citywide senior lead officer, so to speak, that basically uh, listens to the concerns of cycling, the cycling community, and we try to address their concerns just like a senior lead officer would at a more local level. Um, a lot of the concerns that are brought to us aren't necessarily um, things that LAPD, LAPD can do something about, but we can at least point them in the right direction. So, for example, when there's a call for additional infrastructure or more bike lanes, well, these aren't within the purview of the LAPD. We're enforcement. We're not policymakers, and we don't do engineering. We, we don't do these types of things, but we can put them in touch with the right people in the city that may be able to take care of that for them. That sounds a lot like social work to me. Well, to an extent, I mean, keep in mind that uh, it's a system where if it's the LAPD that has to deal with the final result of neglecting these issues, then you're already kind of failed because we're the last point of contact. You know, so and the first point sometimes, I imagine, exactly. too. Well, the, the first point um, in the sense that the... If once we get involved, you, you get into a different system, now it becomes criminal justice as opposed to really trying to resolve the core issues that are leading to you being arrested or contacted by the LAPD. So a bicycle task force was set up by the Los Angeles Police Department, and I'm wondering what was the genesis of that? Why was that even necessary, viewed through the eyes of the department? It was actually started uh, over a year ago, and the reason that it was created was because uh, several cyclists went to City Hall, and they basically alleged that the LAPD is not responsive to their needs or has some kind of a bias against cyclists. Um, and that they weren't basically being treated just like everybody else. City Council said to the chief, we want you to answer some of these allegations, and to which the chief said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a task force where everybody can kind of bring their grievances to the department, and we'll try to address them to the best of our ability. I'm going to assign somebody of a very high rank, which is a commander, um, to make sure that this is getting to the level within the department that it needs to get. And uh, as a result, uh, you know, we've been meeting for over a year, monthly meetings for over a year with uh, various members of the cycling community um, and trying to address their concerns. We're talking today on Here in the City about this new ordinance that was passed by the Los Angeles City Council, which um, makes it illegal to harass a cyclist. If you could describe to us exactly what this ordinance means, what are the things you can and cannot do now as a cyclist, but also as a motorist? Well, keep in mind that um, when a motorist or anybody engages in a crime, that's not something that's really going to fall under the purview of this ordinance. That's still going to be handled by the criminal justice system as opposed to a civil um, a case, which is what this uh, ordinance is designed for. So if a motorist throws a bottle uh, at a cyclist or strikes them or batters them in some way or actually commits a crime, 
that's something that you're not going to use this ordinance for, the LAPD will take action. But there are a host of activities that motorists often engage in that don't rise to the level of a crime um, that we really can't do anything about. And this ordinance basically gives the cyclist an opportunity to have their concerns addressed. Now, an example of that would be if uh, you speed by a motorist at a high rate of speed and with very little clearance, and the intent is to basically get them to move over to the side of the road or to intimidate them off the road, um, which can be substantiated by some verbal comments that were made prior to that particular action. All we have there is an infraction. It's an infraction because a person passed made an uh, unsafe passing. Well, we can't write somebody a ticket for unsafe passing if we didn't personally observe that violation. So, but that's still something that needs to be addressed because unsafe passing of a mo another motor vehicle, that's mildly interesting, but there's not likely to be very much harm. Unsafe passing of a cyclist who is not in a steel cage could lead to some serious injuries. So this ordinance basically allows that cyclist to call that person into court and have them answer for that dangerous activity. It's very similar to where if I had observed that violation, I'd be able to cite the motorist, give him a ticket. That ticket is actually a summons to appear in court. I testify against that driver and then the judge hears my testimony and then he makes a determination whether there was a violation or not. This ordinance basically gives the cyclist the right to also pull that person into court, present his evidence in front of a judge. Of course, it's a civil judge as opposed to a traffic judge. And if he can substantiate the harassment, then they're entitled to damages, which could be three times the actual damages or $1,000. Very similar to where if I wrote somebody a ticket, instead they'd be punishable by a fine. So this is just a civil counterpart for a cyclist that law enforcement has when we actually observe a traffic violation. So for instance, as you, you gave an example, mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody tries in an automobile to push you uh, off of lanes if you're on a bicycle toward mm -hmm. the curb and it causes you to, you know, fall off your bicycle, mm -hmm. but it's a physical move toward you and that's accompanied by some sort of verbal um, exclamation that, you know, get the whatever off the road. Well, here's – and this is where it's kind of tough because it's very subtle. If a motorist is actually aiming towards you, well, that's an assault with a deadly weapon. I mean, they can do you some harm if they're actually aiming towards you. So that's not something that really would cover under this ordinance. Under certain circumstances, if it can be substantiated, we would actually treat that as a crime and we would take a report for it. But if the person is basically trying to kind of buzz by you to kind of give you a scare, but there's not enough direction to say that he intended to hit you just to scare you, well, now that's an infraction because that's unsafe passing as opposed to directing your vehicle towards the person. Some other examples would be like let's say that there is a, a heated exchange between parties and then the person revs their engine while they're behind the cyclist. Well, after a verbal exchange, if a motorist is revving their engine, that's an implied threat that, hey, you better get off the road or I'm going to run you down. Um, and would a cyclist be in reasonable fear for their safety as a result of that? I think so. So that being the case, you know, that's something that would fall under this because, again, it's not something that's a crime in the sense that, you know, what, hey, this person assaulted you. But there is an implied threat there that still needs to be addressed. And that's really what this harassment is about. Quite frankly, a motorist still has the right to pull up beside a cyclist, yell obscenities at them, say, get off the road, all that. They still have a right to do that. That's not covered by this ordinance. That's not harassment within the context of this ordinance. This ordinance basically just says that you cannot behave in such a way that is likely to cause uh, injury to the cyclist or can be construed as an implied threat against the cyclist. 
and just saying, hey, you don't belong on the road and, you know, hey, go up on the sidewalk or along with some choice superlatives, that doesn't fall under this uh, particular ordinance. But it's actually some sort of action that then puts a cyclist in the perception of physical jeopardy or an unsafe uh, condition on the road. Yes. In an instance like that, uh, what does somebody do if they're on a bicycle and they think, oh, you know, this is inappropriate and perhaps uh, unauthorized behavior at this mm -hmm. moment? What what do I do? Well, the uh, only thing that you really can do is uh, get the license plate and you, you have to get a good look at the person driving because just because you have a license plate, if you can't substantiate that the person was, that was driving was the actual registered owner of that car, you're not going to get anywhere because you have to be able to see who was driving the car. Of course, a lot of cars have tinted windows. So just because you're able to bring a civil suit, it doesn't mean that it's easy. Um, now, if you do have a license plate, you still have to track down, well, where does this guy live? Who is this person, et cetera, et cetera. And for that, you would have to go to an attorney who would then go to the DMV and pull that DMV record. Now, this ordinance basically allows you to recover legal fees. Uh, and that's the big plus because under normal circumstances, if this was all on the cyclist, they would almost be prohibited or it would be cost restrictive for them to do the investigation themselves. They don't have the expertise. They don't have the know-how. So this bad behavior is never really addressed. But by allowing for the recovery of attorney's fees, now you have somebody that can actually help you navigate through the system and actually increase your access to the legal system and get you those answers. Who was the person driving? Where they live? And it basically gives you a better opportunity to track the person down. It's interesting because some of the comments that have been generated on, you know, uh, on Facebook and on the Los Angeles Times website where there is a, a long string, I think, of 405 comments to date back and forth, some of which you, Sergeant Krumer, have posted to dispel um, myths or misunderstandings about this. Uh, it, they all come back to this question, well, wasn't um, protection from harassment already in place? No, there is nothing that says that, uh, you know, you have a right to not be harassed. There are various subtleties in the law where certain behavior is criminal. It's, not, it's more than just an infraction or a violation of the vehicle code. It rises to a level where we can actually take a report or we can actually make an arrest or we can actually do something. But a lot of this behavior is borderline behavior that doesn't quite reach that threshold that allows the LAPD to pursue any further than saying, hey, I'm sorry, but, you know, it, it happened and you're, you're out of luck. What this ordinance does, it basically identifies certain behaviors that are in that gray zone that aren't quite the level of a crime of a misdemeanor, but at the same time aren't nothing that should be ignored. And there are also some comments um, about the perhaps restricting people's um, ability or right to free speech because, you know, now there are things that I, I could have done that, you know, really are only me expressing my aggravation with somebody who's riding their bike like an idiot and I'm in my car. Well, your free speech right really isn't inhibited because I kind of indicated that you can still say whatever you have to say, but you have to do so in a responsible manner. And by responsible manner, you know, yes, you can use your words, but you can't use your car to you do your speaking for you. And if your car is doing your speaking for you, you know, that's, that has a little bit more weight because that car, whether you choose to view it as such or not, it can be used as a weapon. And vehicles result in more deaths than all gun violence put together. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not a matter of limiting your right to free speech. You can still say what you like to say, but, you know, it's more about limiting your behavior connected to certain speech. 
So this is really interesting because between motorists, do the same protections exist? So if, for instance, I'm in my Prius and somebody's in their pickup truck or their Mercedes next to me, and they were to make some of these same type of actions that are now prohibited by this ordinance for a cyclist, if they were to do that to another motorist, is that illegal? This ordinance wouldn't necessarily cover it because it's specific to cyclists. But bear in mind that, you know what, when a motorist uh, decides to um, ride a cyclist's uh, rear bumper uh, or rev their engine or pass them at an unsafe speed, the danger to that cyclist is considerable because, you know, you've got a 2,000-pound vehicle versus 190 pounds of bicycle. So there's a greater possibility for harm there. Whereas a motorist who has, does the exact same actions to another motorist who's in a car just as heavy or heavier, you know, the likelihood of serious injury, it's, it's just not there. So while I know that a lot of people are suggesting that, you know, this is giving cyclists uh, some kind of uh, unfair advantage or that it's giving them special treatment, I think that it's really more a recognition that really the harm uh, that's presented to a cyclist versus a motorist is different. And this actually levels the playing field as opposed to gives them special privileges. This is Here in the City. We'll be back with more on what cyclists and drivers need to know about sharing the road in the second half of our show. I'm Sarah Harris. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego. And 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. An archive and a podcast of our shows is at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. And at kpfk.org, you can like us on Facebook. If you like. And visit us at our website, hereinthecity.org. And follow us on Twitter. After listening to Sergeant Krumer explain just what qualifies as harassment by a car driver to a bicyclist, I started to wonder why a city like ours, full of such decent and civic-minded people, would even need these kinds of rules of engagement on the road. So I said... It's a cultural aspect of sharing the road also, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, keep in mind that like a lot of the hostility or animosity that I've personally heard of um, is really grounded in the belief that cyclists don't belong in the roadway or that the roadway is meant for cars only. And as a result of that, a lot of motorists tend to think that, you know what, they don't pay for registra registration. They don't have uh, automobile. They don't have insurance. You know, why is it that they're allowed to take a lane of traffic away from me when I pay for all these fees and I'm entitled to the entire use of the roadway? So there's a little bit of anger expressed in that because they feel that, you know what, these folks aren't paying into the system as much and yet they're getting all uh, rights to the roadway. Um, I don't think that the majority of motorists have that view because if that were the case, we'd have many more incidents. I mean, we have a lot of cars here and we just have, comparatively speaking, relatively few incidents between motorists and cyclists. So I think that it's, you know, it really is just a, a select few group of people that uh, really just aren't with the program and just feel that, you know what, cyclists don't belong on the road. Since you're the, probably the best person to ask this question to, can you quantify that? How many incidents in a year are reported between cyclists and motorists? 
that's just it. I can't because if it's not a crime, we don't keep statistics on it. So there might be a hundred, there might be a thousand. We really don't know because it's not something that we track. Uh, that's something that's more likely going to be found like on the blogs and self-reporting. And there are a couple of websites where, you know, um, people report, hey, I was harassed at this particular intersection and, you know, maybe they would have the statistics that we don't. Um, we were considering um, tracking it, but it was it would be too difficult for us to do. It's very labor intensive um, and we just don't have the resources to do it because, you know, just like in anything else, there are hundreds, if not thousands of traffic incidents every single day. In Los Angeles. Yes. And I imagine, I mean, of course, if it results in, in injury um, or a legal or criminal infraction, of course, you do know about it. So yes. I, that's my next question is how many injuries or infractions happen yearly between cyclists and motorists? Uh, off the top of my head, um, over the past two years, it, it's hovering like right around uh, 1,000 to 1,500 uh, collisions between motorists and cyclists every year. Um, the number of fatal injuries is actually in the typically in the low to mid-teens, severe injuries, uh, slightly higher. I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but I can actually forward some to you if you'd like to know. Uh, there is a report that's posted on bikesidela.org, and I think that those are 2008 stats, and those stats are fairly consistent for 2009 as well. So if anybody wants to go to bikesidela.org, um, and just type in LAPD, I think that they will get linked to some of our statistics. So a little bit of um, information, just news that you can use, um, is what do drivers need to know about being on the road with a bicyclist? Uh, motorists need to understand that cyclists are entitled to be on the roadway. They are not supposed to be riding on the sidewalks. Now in LA, uh, an ordinance allows them to ride on the sidewalk, but the vehicle code actually says that bicycles do belong uh, in traffic. Um, typically, um, unless they're making a left turn or passing somebody else, cyclists are supposed to be in the right lane of traffic. And uh, they're entitled, in, for the most part, to take the entire right lane of traffic. A lot of folks are very upset with cyclists that are riding in the middle of the right-hand lane instead of riding in the gutter. But what they don't appreciate is the fact that you know, there are often, there's often debris or other obstacles in that gutter that prevents safe cycling. People have their trash cans out, there are parked cars, there are cracks in the roadway, potholes that prevent somebody from riding all the way over to the right. And a lot of the times the safest place for them to be is in the center of the right-hand lane. Um, if there's more than one lane going in a, uh, one direction, traffic isn't really impeded because you can always change lanes and go around that cyclist. And a cyclist only has to actually do a turnout or move over to the side of the road if there are more than five cars stacked up behind them, just like if it was a slow-moving car. So a moving car would also have to move over to the right to allow for uh, cars that are stacked up behind them. But a lot of motors seem to think that, well, first of all, the cyclist shouldn't be impeding me at all and that, you know, if uh, even one person is backed up behind a cyclist, that they have to get out of the way. That's not what the vehicle code says. Um, so th that's something that uh, really motors need to understand, that uh, cyclists, oftentimes, they're in the right place when these motorists show this hostility. They're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, now, on the other hand, something that cyclists should understand is that some cyclists feel that because they're not going to pose the same amount of harm if they run a red light or run a stop sign or uh, do something wrong, that because they can't cause the same amount of harm, that it's okay for them to uh, violate certain sections of the vehicle code. Well, that's a very bad attitude. And what happens is it just fosters some of these negative feelings from motorists. Um, 
cyclists are given all the uh, rights and responsibilities of being on the roadway. So, of course, you know, you're supposed to stop at uh, red lights. You're supposed to stop at stop signs. You should ride on the right side of the roadway. Don't ride against traffic. Um, and for the most part, um, set the example so that motorists can't say, well, you know what, they always are breaking rules. You know, motorists are always making those broad comments about the general group rather than looking at individual cyclists and their behavior. I know a lot of cyclists that follow the rules of the road. You know, so why are they getting all this animosity? Well, they shouldn't be. So keep in mind that when you're a cyclist, you're not just representing yourself. Basically what's happening, you're representing all cyclists. And when you engage in bad behavior, you know, what you're doing is you're really setting up uh, the hostility that one of your fellow cyclists is going to feel later on down the road. So my last question is for people who want to know what their rights and responsibilities are under this new ordinance and under existing um, ordinances that govern cycling and driving together, where do people go? LADOT currently has a whole list of uh, California vehicle code sections as well as uh, municipal code sections that apply to cyclists. Um, what we're going to do on our website is we're trying to link to their website. So if anybody comes over to us, we actually have a cycling safety or cycling awareness section on our website. Okay. Well, Sergeant David Krummer, thank you so much for taking the time to sure. talk with us for here in the city. Absolutely. Anytime. And we want to hear from you, dear listeners. If you have a memorable story to share about an interaction with a driver while biking or about sharing the road with a cyclist while driving, please call us and leave us a message at 213-394-5468. That's 213-394-5468. And know that your messages may be subject to broadcast transmission and may appear on our next episode of Here in the City. And one more thing before we close out the show. I am sad. That's the original soundtrack from the short movie Yard Work is Hard Work a quirky paper and magazine cutout animation by independent filmmaker Jody Mack. Mack wrote the lilting songs that accompany a rapid montage of photos and collages of an imaginary house filled by a newly married couple who run through the motions of the typical paper cutout American dream of buying a house, tending to a house, and eventually almost losing a house by defaulting on a loan. Do you think we can get this place with fluff. What? You bought too much stuff. That's not fair. You went a little ape with furniture, paint, knickknacks, drapes. Okay, Mr. Perfect in every way. I didn't know you had something to say. Making your house cozy and livable is an action that's forgivable. Okay, fine. This is just a taste of Mac's varied works in 16mm animation. A selection of her recent films will be screening this weekend at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. We'll have an interview with Jody Mack on next week's Here in the City, and you can find out more about the program at lafilmforum.org and on our website, hereinthecity.org. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. And that's it for Here in the City today. Special thanks to Jesse Lerner, Luis Sierra Campos, Tandisizwe Shimorenga, Daniela Gerson, Sabiha Khan, Albert Chacon, 
Rachel Salmon, Will Coley, Holly Harper, Karen Ness. Special thanks this week to Patrick Miller for producing Two Wheels and a Mic. And to you, our listeners. We will be back next week with more radio realities from the urban landscape. Until then, you can find us on the web at Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. I'm Sarah Harris. Signing off. To yapping on. When you go in and out, may you have peace and level and safe. Yes. Be safe. Peace. Peace.